You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Very original, I know. First things first, big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. The tournament is finally here. The brackets have been set and the team's are ready to hit the court, and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating with their largest free college basketball survivor pool ever. How large? $1 million in total prizes up for grabs. And if that's not enough, check this out. When you enter the free DraftKings $1 million survivor pool, you get a shot at winning $10,000 for every upset through the first two rounds of the tournament. It's easy to play. Just pick one team per day, and if they win... You survive in advance to the next round. Last person standing is the winner. And remember, you can only pick a team once for the entire tournament. So choose wisely. DraftKings is safe and secure. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Get in on all this week's action. Download the DraftKings app now and enter code THPN during sign-in and enter the free $1 million survivor pool. Again, that's code THPN to enter into DraftKings free $1 million survivor pool. Eligibility restrictions and terms and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I, I highly recommend it. DraftKings is always a lot of fun. Make sure you use the promo code THPN. Uh, and once again, thank you so much for tuning into the Other Connor podcast today. We've got a great show coming up for you. We will hear from Hernan Salas of TSN 1260, as well as the Locked On Oilers podcast and Two Guys and a Goalie. We're also going to talk to... An old friend of mine, Guy Flaming, he is the host of the Pipeline Show. You can give him a follow on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. We're going to talk about some of the younger guys for the Oilers. They're more recent draft classes, and uh, we'll talk about the Yessi Pugliarvi draft. He and I were working alongside Dean Millard on the TSN 1260 draft show, and I can still remember when the Columbus Blue Jackets passed on JP, selected Pierre-Luc Dubois, and everybody was shocked. We did not see that one happening. Of course, the Oilers run to the podium with the fourth overall pick, select Jesse Pugliarvi. Little up and down in his career, but he's back making plays. So uh, we're going to talk to Guy Flaming about that and, and a whole lot more, see how the Pipeline show's going. And we're also going to bring in Jason Strudwick, an interview that I did with him immediately following the Oilers' 2-1 win over the Winnipeg Jets on a Thursday night. And uh, just a, a really good game for the Oilers. And you know what you saw Wednesday, Thursday was kind of two different levels of the spectrum. Of course, on Wednesday night, a 7-3 victory over the Calgary Flames. And anytime you can beat the in-provincial rival like that, you love it. I know Twitter was going crazy. Oilers fans were having a lot of fun on Wednesday night. Then on Thursday, not quite as exciting. Kind of slow down just a little bit. Connor McDavid with two beautiful goals as the Oilers win 2-1 to knock off the Jets. Of course, Mikko Koskinen between the pipes for the Oilers in that one makes 24 saves on 25 shots. Played pretty well. And, uh, you know, if there's anything we know about Mikko Koskinen, it's that he tends to play better when his back is up against the wall. And as we all know, Alex Stalock getting very close to the point where he could play for the Edmonton Oilers. So maybe Mikko Koskinen feeling the heat a little bit, had a very good game on Thursday night, picking up the win for the Oilers. These two teams meet once again on Saturday. It's an 8 o'clock puck drop, so make sure you get your afternoon nap in. If you do want to tune into some pregame coverage on Saturday, Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself will have you covered on TSN 1260 starting at 6.30 
One other note from the game on Thursday night, Kyler Yamamoto did not play in that game. Uh, last minute, we kind of found out that he wouldn't be going. Josh Archibald slides up into the wing spot on that line, and that, to me, kind of seems like the perfect guy just to put in there in a pinch, obviously. Uh, probably doesn't have the scoring touch that Kyler Yamamoto has, but he can bring the energy, he can play a physical, and be that spark that you need. So uh, hopefully Kyler Yamamoto is able to go on Saturday night. Obviously, uh, keep it locked on social media, Twitter, uh, the Oilers' website, of course. They can help you out there when it comes to the injuries, but uh, Kyler Yamamoto did not play Thursday night. And I do not have an update for you right now. Let's just get into the interviews right away here. Talk to somebody who knows quite a bit more about hockey compared to what I know. Jason Strudwick, longtime NHLer. He's a former member of the Edmonton Oilers. And now you can hear him on the Jason Greger Show Monday through Friday from 2 to 6 on TSN 1260. Struddy, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. I, I absolutely love this game. You guys and everyone who listens to our show knows that I love a good defensive struggle. And tonight, that was that was a playoff game tonight. And so I think that Oilers fans should be very happy with the outcome and the way their team played. Last time the Oilers were involved in a high-scoring game, I said at least it was entertaining. You almost ripped my head off on the podcast. And then the next day on the show with Gregor, you got mad at me again and probably a few more times like in front of your kids. Uh, so a 2-1 final, almost a 3-1. The goal was disallowed due to it being offside. But a 2-1 game, you must have been just in heaven throughout that whole one. I was. Well, you know what? I, I really feel strongly that for the Oilers to beat a team like the Jets, they need to keep the score down. They, they, they can't open it up. It can't be a wide-open game. And they did that tonight. You know, you look at the, their attention to detail. Um, you know, what I saw a lot of times was being above the puck. So when, when they were, you know, in, 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 the, in the Jets zone, they were cheating to the defensive side of the puck rather than the offensive side of the puck. And they, they were great. They were great. You could see there wasn't much room out there for either team. But, um, you know, the Oilers got to feel comfortable playing those games because if they open it up against Winnipeg, it's not going to work for them. So I, I thought this was a great performance by the Oilers. Um, yeah, it was tight. There wasn't a lot of chances. But that's how ultimately you're going to win more games than lose in the playoffs. Do you think that was something that the, the coaching staff would have stressed going into this one? Like, especially under the circumstances, you've got your backup goalie in, you're playing in the second half of a back-to-back. Let's just make sure we play smart here and, and not open it up. Oh, yeah. You know, I think they're... they're, they're, they're you know, they, they, you want to win by playing the right way more often than not. And, and, and there are some nights where, like tonight, the Oilers' um, foundation, which is their system play, is, is, is the bottom. Like, that's, that's, that, that's what supports you. And then you've got a guy like Connor who can just go off and score just two sick goals. Um, but that keeps you around the game. They don't, you don't have to get out. You don't have to chase the game. You don't have to try to create something that's not there. Just be patient. Wait for it to come to you. And they did, when they got their chances, they scored. And, you know, quite frankly, that, that was a great game played by them towards. I, I just, I thought it was fantastic. I loved the whole thing. What do you think of Miko Koskinen? I thought Miko was good. You know, um, like the first period, I don't, I don't even know, if, like, what did he have? Six shots against? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that difficult. Um, he made a couple, you know, nice saves, but I thought he was square and in place uh, for near all the shots. The goal against, I mean, that, that puck's coming to him. He's going to make a save and it's tipped in front. Uh, you know, I, I guess he could ask the D to, to, to take that stick away. It's kind of a tough play there. Um, but quite honestly, I thought he played a good game, a solid game. I mean, you, you give up one goal, your team should win at home. Alex Stalock, obviously the guy who could be starting to get some action in the next few days here, should be practicing. Do you think that uh, maybe a little motivation there for, for Miko Kostin to go out there and just show that he can be the guy, uh, maybe not necessarily 1A, but 1B? You know, I think that what, since Miko's been here with Mike Smith, 
I feel that Meek always plays better when there's a threat of someone else taking his job. And some people are just like that, you know, and that's not to suggest he's not lazy or anything like that, but, you know, he's, he, he just, you perform better under pressure. Um, so I think having a guy like Staylock kicking around, um, you know, and, and, and in, in his place, it, you know, I could see why he'd be a little bit nervous, but let's be honest. If Miko plays like he plays tonight, Staylock won't get a chance. Like, that, that's how you, you hold court, right? Keep playing the way you're supposed to and being strong. So I thought, you know, he, he did a fine job. He, he did what he needed to do tonight. The team supported him with two goals. And they get a win and a huge two points, just an absolutely huge two points against what I think is, you know, quickly becoming one of the best teams in the North. 24 saves on 25 shots for Miko Koskinen. Great performance there. Uh, only two pa- penalties called in this game. Uh, you think the refs were putting the whistles away, or is that just good, clean hockey that you like to see? Yeah, it was pretty tight. You know, I I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it's hard because the penalties, I guess you'd like to see maybe a few more power plays if you're a fan. But, you know, it's pretty tight out there. I, I, I don't tend to get too worked up about the, the, the refs. It generally works out in the end with both teams kind of getting their fair share. Um, I, I thought they got a, the call correct with that uh, empty netter. Unfortunately, you know, it was just not quite under control by uh, the number 97 there. But, you know, I thought they did a pretty good job. But, you know, I go back to orders. You, you, there's only so many things you can control. You you, you can't control um, the refs. You can't control, you know, if you're tired or not because, you know, the way the schedule is. But your structure is what controls you. And that, that structure you know, kept them through a lot of the, the game tonight. And and that's what that's a Dave Tippett game. When we look at the record they've had on back to back nights, it's because their structure is set up to protect them. You know, you don't need to have amazing performances by a goalie or a player or whatever it is because that that, that structure's there and everyone plays the same way. Um, and I thought Josh Archibald played well. I thought Nygaard had a had a good uh, game where he was casting continues to to get himself going. So it was a good game. It was it was a really good team win. And they'll just be really proud of themselves because that's a playoff win. That's not a regular season win. That's a playoff win. I don't want to come off critical here. Uh, it, might, it might seem this way. But when you see Connor McDavid, you know, the shot that he has, the goals he can score, to this day, sometimes I still say, why does he not shoot it more? Like, I feel like this guy could be a 50-goal scorer. Like, he's just not, got such a good shot but sometimes looks for the pass. And by no means am I trying to tell him how to play the game of hockey. He's the best in the world, so I shouldn't. But is there any times where you get that feeling too? Like, man, you got such a good shot. Let's see it a little more. Well, you know what? I think he's actually one of the highest shooting guys in the league. He's got one of the most shots. If I, I, I feel like I read that. Um, so he, you know, he gets a ton of shots off. Um, but I think for a guy like him, you have to keep mixing it up. You know, you can't just be a one-trick pony. So I think it's important for him to, to, to sometimes shoot, sometimes pass, keep the goalies guessing. Because you can see even Brassois is maybe looking a little bit, maybe sinking past. Uh, on uh, that first goal, and uh, you know Connor zips it in there. So I think that that's that's what his game is. His game has to be one that's um, built on unpredictability, because that gives him more opportunity to, to to get in people's heads before he's either come down the wing against a D-man or ready to take a pass or a shot on a goalie. Yeah, and I mean you're right. Coming to this game, he was second in the league in uh, shots, 127, only behind Brady Kachuk, and his shooting percentage is 14.2. So it's really impressive. But I, you know, and, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm being critical. The guy's the best in the world, but he's just got such a good shot, the ability to do so. There's times where I'm, you know, yelling at the TV, shoot, shoot. But yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be. <laughs> it's well, an- you know, I think it is Connor that he, he, the puck's on his tape so often, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I, you know, I don't know if there's a, such a shot as thing as. Um, shots per 60, uh, or even better, maybe shots per 
you know, the minute the puck's on your stick. Because he, he, it's on his stick so often that, it, you know, you maybe feel he's not shooting. But he had to look at the other night. He has, you know, you know, four, five, six, whatever number of shots he has. So I think that's part of it because, you know, you look at a guy, you know, uh, I don't know, like a Larson, you know, or a Patrick Russell. Like, they're not getting many shots off. So when they shoot, you're like, oh, man, great shot. And you remember that moment. But with, with these guys, they're so often it's on his stick you probably like to see him shoot more just because he is on his stick so often. Yeah, four shots, two goals. Not a bad night for Mr. McDavid carrying the Oilers to a 2-1 victory. Uh, Stradzo, I want to ask you, you played a lot of hockey in your life, a lot of time in the NHL. So what's, what's the next couple of days look like for the Edmonton Oilers? They're coming off a back-to-back. You've got an off day on Friday, then a game 8 o'clock on Saturday. What does it look like for an NHL player in the next couple of days here? Well, I'm going to guess tomorrow's a complete day off. I, 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 I don't think there'll be anything. You know, guys are going for treatment, um, things like that. But I, I can't believe there'd be anything uh, tomorrow. And then there'd probably be a morning skate Saturday, like a really light morning skate. And for some guys, probably not even in that skate. Uh, and then you hit the ground uh, running Saturday night. So it's, you know, at this when you're in this many compressed number of games, the practice time drops down big time. And the coach is going to say, just do what you need to be ready. Um, you know, maybe tomorrow there'd be a skate for some of the guys that didn't play. But I even think for that, there's going to be a, I'm guessing complete day off, and then, like I say, a, a light skate Saturdays to kind of get a sweat on and get together and chat, uh, do a couple of meetings, and then come back and uh, get ready to rock Saturday. Because I mean, it's another big game for the Oilers, and uh, you know they want to keep on. Just you know, I, I think you want to prove it to yourself, but I think you want to prove it to the rest of the league that, like, hey, we're legit. You know, we're we're, we're not. Yeah, we've got some great players. But we just had a big team win, and people will stand up and watch the, you know, the game tonight and say, man, that was a team victory. Yeah, Connor scored the two goals, but they shut down or, or they slowed down um, probably the deepest top nine in the uh, Northern Division. I want to ask you uh, just a couple more, Strudwick. Uh, the uh, the kind of late, I guess, depending on who you ask, Tom Gazzola was kind of hinting it throughout the pregame show. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto wasn't going to be in the lineup. Josh Archibald uh, takes his spot. Two-parter, uh, how early on in the day do you think the rest of the team would have known that Yamamoto wasn't going to be good to go? And what do you think of Archibald sliding into that uh, that wing there? Well, you know, you always know. Like, you know what's going on. So you might have a – he might be like, hey, man, he, like, let's say um, – you know, Archibald says, "Okay, you know what? I, I, yeah, I'm feeling like, honestly, man. I'm not. I'm not feeling great. I'm probably not going to be able to go. Like players, the, the good guys would tell you kind of where they're at, and as soon as you can tell them, you let them know, right? Like if I was injured and I was fifty-fifty, as soon as I felt I could or couldn't, I would tell the guy that I couldn't. Um, generally speaking, when you get to warm up, you, you got to think the guy's probably thinking about going. It doesn't always happen, but generally speaking, um, you know. And I thought Archibald did fine. You know, he had a couple chances there." Um, you know, two actually I can think off the top of my head that, you know, you know, does Yamamo drop those in? Maybe, you know, maybe more than, than Archibald does, but, you know, you're, you're stepping up into a, a class where people are critical of him not making those goals. That's not necessarily his job on his team and or what he's able to do, but he put himself in those positions to, to try to get those tips. And it'd be nice if we had dropped it in, might have made the game a little easier. But, you know, I, I thought he adequately filled in in a spot uh, that he is probably not well suited for for the long term. Do you think the message is probably simple to him from Tippett or whoever else? Like just go out there, play your game, bang bodies, and uh, maybe open up some space for dry side on Cahoon? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. You, you tell them just to play your game. You can't. What, what I see happen when, when a guy is moved up the lineup, um, he tries to become something he's not. And that's when things go sideways because if you were already that type of player, you'd be playing in that spot already. 
Um, you see it when guys sign contracts, big contracts. Oftentimes they, they try to become something they're not or do too much and to live up to the contract. Well, you didn't get signed for that number because of what you, you know, who you could be is because of what you are. So I think that that's what they're saying. And Archibald's been around long enough to know his, his job is to get in on a forecheck and be a disruptor. You know, he can do that as well as Yamamoto. Be disruptive, get on the puck, tip pucks in, all that, uh, you know, and, and try to get that puck over to those two guys and drive the net and pick up space. Um, and he can do it as well as, as Yamamoto. Maybe not as quick a hand, maybe not quite the hockey sense Yamamoto has, but being disruptive is what a player like Drysdale wants on his line because that means his group has the puck more often. Stratty, last question for you here. The Oilers take on the Jets once again Saturday night. It's an 8 o'clock puck drop. Uh, if you want any pregame coverage, TSN 1260 as you covered. Started at 6.30 with myself, Tom Gazzoli, Tom Gazzola, Zach Cassian. Uh, do you go back to Mike Smith in that one? Got to figure how the Bucks will be back in there. Yeah, so probably I'm probably going with Mike Smith again. Uh, not that Koskinen wasn't good tonight, um, but you, you know he kind of on this alternating setup. And 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 Dave Tippett, quite frankly, since you know he's got here, has really been really good with the goalies. Um, so I'll trust him on this one. But yeah, I do think he'd probably go back with Mike Smith. Um, but for the Oilers, they wanted the same type of effort. It doesn't matter who's between the pipes. They want to try to limit the other team's chances. And, and what was it, 20, you said 25 shots tonight? Yeah. That's pretty darn good. You look at the top nine that the Winnipeg has. Uh, and some of those D-men are, you know, like a Pionk, and those guys can get in position to shoot quite well. So that's a, that's a, just such a good team win. They need to just double down, do the exact same thing. And what will happen if they do that, especially in the first you might start to see some frustration creep in Winnipeg. They might start cheating a bit. That's when the order's dangerous players can take over on, on some of those mistakes. 25 shots for the Jets, 21 for the Oilers. Can we get a maybe some balance there, like a, a 4-3 Oilers win? Is is that okay, Struds, or is that too much? Well, well you want that. <laughs> you, you're, you're the type of guy that would rather see the Oilers lose 8-7, but Connor has 7 <laughs> points, right? I can't, I can't. You and Gregor are both the same. I, I refuse. I want to see winning hockey. And that was a, that was a playoff win tonight. That 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 would be a win to get in the playoffs. And now you're you know you're three games away from moving on to the next round. So I I love it, Connor. I love that game, and I cannot wait to argue with Gregor tomorrow that that was a good game. <laughs> to be clear, I I like a seven three game like the Oilers had against the Flames on Wednesday. <laughs> like you know a lot of offense, you give up a yeah. few more, but fun hockey, especially when you can do it against a rival like Calgary. Yeah, Struddy, thanks so much for doing this tonight, and uh, yeah. we'll talk to you later. Hopefully, get you on again. Hello, everybody. Talk to you soon. Excellent stuff from Jason Strudwick, former NHLer and one half of the Jason Greger Show, which you can hear on TSN 1260 Monday through Friday from 2 until 6. And uh, Struddy brings up some good points. He and I may have philosophical differences, but at the end of the day, I do know that he is right. They have got to play strong defensive hockey, especially when they get to the playoffs, at least to prove that they can play that way. I know the offense is going to show up for the most part. And uh, when you have Connor McDavid only on dry settle, good things are going to happen. But good for the Edmonton Oilers picking up the 2-1 win on Thursday night. As I've said a few times already, the two teams do meet again on Saturday. 8 o'clock puck drop down at the Ice District before the Oilers head out east for a long east trip. Taking on the Montreal Canadiens for three straight, then a couple in Toronto I think if you're an Oilers fan, you've got those games against the Maple Leafs on the 27th and the 29th circled because we really want to see how they bounce back in those ones. Uh, let's keep the Oiler talk coming with one of the most passionate people 
in the city of Edmonton, Hernan Salas of TSN 1260. He also is the host of the Locked On Oilers podcast and a key contributor to two guys in a goalie, Hernan Salas. Give him a follow on Twitter as well, actually, at Hernando. Man, Hernan, how you doing, my friend? Doing good. I'm doing good. What a beautiful day we had here in the city of Edmonton. Um, yeah, it's just great. Uh, spring's just around the corner, so uh, yeah, I couldn't ask for anything better right now. I, I like to think that there's a lot of people in Edmonton that listen to this podcast. I'm sure there's some elsewhere. At least I hope. I hope we've got some, some global reach, but you're not buying into it. Like, we're going to get more snow, Hernan, right? Yeah, yeah. Once, you know, I've lived my whole life here, so I, I know we're not out of the woods yet. We're going to get one more snowfall, probably in April, just when we're feeling good and everybody gets their patio sets out. <laughs> it never fails, Connor. It never fails, but uh, definitely enjoying the, the weather for sure. I can still remember a couple of years ago, I went to a wedding in Maui in April, came back and it was snowing. Great disappointment for me. So I'm, I know we're not out of the woods yet, but things are looking up. And, uh, I mean, we're getting towards that playoff push right now and the Edmonton Oilers right in the thick of things. I mean, this could go a, a multitude of different ways. The Oilers, Jets, Maple Leafs all fighting it out for that top spot in the North Division. And the Edmonton Oilers uh, looks like they're playing some better hockey. I want to ask you this. Now, over the last stretch, since we saw the Oilers play the Maple Leafs, has there been anything in their game that makes you think, you know what, now they could contend with the Maple Leafs? Um, you know what, it was such a bizarre three games against Toronto. It's just, I, I'm just going to chalk it up as just a, a bad stretch for the Edmonton Oilers. I, I, I've been saying this probably since mid-February. This is a different team, Connor. Um, they're winning games that before they would never win. Uh, they're, they're competing with every team in the division. I mean, Ottawa, they've dominated, but They've been right there with all the top teams. And so that, that three-game stretch for me, Connor, is just kind of throw it away. It was a bad stretch. Uh, Toronto had everything going for them. Edmonton just couldn't buy a goal. And teams go through that. You saw Toronto lose three straight right after that. And now they're on a two-game losing streak. So uh, it, it, stuff like that happens. I think the Oilers have been really consistent throughout this year uh, outside of that for those first nine games where they're in three and six. But, yeah, listen, Connor, and, and it's – one of those things where the owners are having are having, um, are having success right now. So when they drop a game, <laughs> I think owner fans and they, we all fall into that. Uh, oh no, here we go again! But they've been <laughs> able to uh, not extend losing streaks outside of that Toronto series. They've done a good job of that, and they're just seeing a, a, a different team, a team that's maturing before our eyes. Do they have a ways to go? Yes, Connor, but uh, they're definitely turning the corner. And uh, it's good to see. So for me, those three games, I kind of just throw out. Those things happen in the season because this team's shown us something that they haven't in many, many years where uh, they're winning tough games, they're winning close games, they're blowing out good teams. like, And they're winning in, in different fashion. They can be offensive, they can be defensive. Uh, the special teams win some games. Sometimes the goaltending wins some games. So it's just, uh, it's been fun so far, Connor. And like you said, the playoff push, uh, is really going to get uh, intense here in April. But for now, if you're an Edmonton Oiler fan, you have to be happy. I want to ask you this, and I, I think that in in our city, it's almost sacrilegious to question Connor McDavid in any way, but the way we saw him put the puck in the net Thursday night against the Winnipeg Jets, am I crazy to say, you know what, kid, that you can shoot the puck a little bit more. I mean, you've got that release. He's, he's just so tough. I mean, I was at the arena, and <laughs> every time he'd score, I mean, he'd just look at each other and just shook their heads. Like, he, 
And it's funny because on uh, one of those, it was a two-on-one where, like, thank God he shot. Like, and it's funny because we're always saying, you know, Connor needs to shoot more because he has such a deadly shot as well. Uh, you know, he's just, he's right up there with dry side. I mean, look at his goal totals, uh, Connor. He's right up there. So just imagine if, now, he's a dish kind of guy first. We all know that, and he's great at it. Um, but his shot's just as great. So it's good to see him uh, shooting more and scoring more. And uh, I, I, I say this, I think, every podcast I do and every podcast I join, Connor, where, man, are we ever lucky to uh, be able to watch this guy night in and night out. And, and for old guys like me, Connor, that I was able to watch Gretzky and Messi and all to get uh, to watch Connor McDavid, man. I've been blessed as, uh, as a sports media guy and fan. Yeah, and I mean, like, when I say this, I, I don't say it like, you know, he, he sucks, he's got to shoot more. It's like, no. your shot is so good, you no. already score at an incredible pace, but how much could it be? Like, twice he's been a 40-goal scorer in the NHL. Uh, on four separate occasions, he's been a 30-goal scorer, but he should be a 50-goal scorer. Like, that's just how good he can be. And I think he will get there, Connor. Like, look at his numbers right now. Like, holy smokes. Like, I think on the two guys yesterday, Dusty uh, was kind of pro-rating it, and uh, he's going to hit, like, he's going to pace for 90 points, close to 100. And, like, listen, before this season, I short I shortchanged him because I was like, you know, I, I didn't really know what to expect from the North Division of the Edmonton Oilers. But I was like, Connor Day is going to be around that 80 mark. But, man, he's going to blow that out of the water. He's almost there already, Connor. So, uh I mean, it's it's unreal, and I'm with you. I think I think Connor McDavid does have a 50 goal season in the future, 100. percent He is too talented. He is the greatest player in the game. And listen, I'm not one of those guys that that kind of hates on Matthews and McKinnon. Uh, they're all great players, man. But it's not close. It's <laughs> Connor McDavid than everyone else, and that's not being biased. That's just being real, Connor. Yeah, and I I would agree with you on that one. I mean. People can accuse it of being biased if they want, but maybe they're just biased towards McKinnon or to Austin Matthews. I I love Austin Matthews as a player. I haven't hit that. I've been a very big fan. And I I do like, though, that you you can really get a rise out of Oilers fans if you bring him up in comparison, or vice versa, I'm sure. like It's kind of a sensitive spot for Oilers fans, but... You know what? Hey, that's great. And, and you know what we need to see now is the North Division final between Edmonton and Toronto. We need those two guys to square off and let it, let it be settled right there because it, it could be a once in a lifetime opportunity. Let's hope it happens. Uh, Hernan, one of the guys that came over from Toronto this past offseason, Tyson Berry. And at the start of the year, there was some critics, uh, maybe things weren't going the way they, they should, but then he gets on that pairing with Darnell Nurse, uh, comes off a four assist game couple of days ago like this is the Tyson Berry that was advertised yeah and and, and I and I'm guilty of it too like those first nine games I mean I was hard on Larson like Tyson Berry I know we were all kind of doubting him saying what, what's going on here are we getting the Toronto Tyson Berry but uh he found his game and it took him a while new team a new power play and sometimes we forget that Connor and and Tyson Berry's really really come into uh coming to his own on that top pair with Darnell Nurse Ethan Bear was the guy there, but, uh, I mean, injury took him out of there, but there's no way you're splitting that duo up anymore. And it's funny because Tyson Berry, he gets a lot of, he still gets got a lot of haters out there uh, out east and, and walking, uh, well, yeah, the Raiders should sign him up because he leaves the NHL in scoring, but uh, where are most of those points coming from? And then the guy you work with, Jason Greger, tweeted out today of, 
this was uh, sorry uh, yesterday. This was before the Winnipeg game, where he uh, he had 14 even strength points of the 28 <laughs> points. So it's not like it's all power play points. And Connor, since when did scoring on the power play become an issue? Like I, it blows my mind. It, and, and you know what I get sick of in, in the media and, and fans alike? It's, we saw it with Mark Andre Fleury when Pittsburgh got rid of him. We we saw it. We're seeing it now with Matt Murray. You know, Matt Murray hasn't been good, but he's on a he's on a really bad team. But Tyson Berry's had one bad year. And it wasn't even a bad year. He was okay in Toronto, especially after the coaching change. And then uh, now all of a sudden he's terrible, and and, and, and the orders are the laughing stuff because they signed him and because they might re-sign him because he's having an awesome year. But I just it annoys me so much. Tyson Berry's a good defenseman. He's done really good work, and uh, he leads the NHL for uh, D scoring. Like, what are we complaining about? We haven't had this kind of offensive defenseman probably since Chris Pronger. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you can rip them last year, but I don't think too many people were thriving under Mike Babcock. It, it didn't seem no. like it was a, a work environment that too many people were having a fun time with, and you, you hear the stories that come out after. And and I like what you say there. Like, when did power play points become a bad thing? When did secondary <laughs> yeah. assists become a bad thing? It becomes a bad yeah. thing when it doesn't fit your narrative and you want to rip on a guy, but then the point production comes and then, oh, well, you know, it's all power player. It's second assist. Well, yeah, you know what? He did get a second assist on Wednesday night on uh, Dominic Cahoon's goal, but he made a hell of a play to get the puck back into their possession and find Leon Dreisaitl, who made a sick feed to Cahoon. Like, I, I feel like, yeah, you're right. If people don't like someone, they'll find the numbers to, to dictate that. And we saw that with Darnell Nurse earlier on this year. And the, the Darnell Nurse haters haven't heard from them in, in a while because if you're going to continue that hate, you've got an agenda and you're not being uh, honest with yourself when you're evaluating a player. Connor, do you remember Mike Green in his career here in Washington? Mm-hmm. Didn't a lot of his points come on that power play? Oh, yeah. And it wasn't an issue then. <laughs> Why is it an issue now? Like, I, I, like if regardless of um, Tyson Berry gets half his points on the power play, that's the whole point of being on the power play and having a man advantage is to score. Like, it. Oh my God! It blows my mind, Connor. Like it's like there was one gentleman from Ottawa who was saying, "Yeah, I mean, like look where all his points are coming from." And I'm like, I felt like like tweeting him uh, that Gregor tweet because Gregor was right on. Like it's true. I mean, he's got 14 even strength points. Like, what are you complaining about? And I mean, I wonder if you had gone back to when Eric Carlson was in Ottawa, were you going to rip him for his power play points? Like, <laughs> exactly. Part of their I mean, job. It's part of what makes them the, so good. All, all the top defensemen in the league play on the top power plays <laughs> and pick up a lot of points on that, Connor. So, I don't know. It's just one of it's Like you said, it's, it, 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 it fits their narrative, so they keep, they keep uh, you know, harping on this guy. But for me, Tyson Berry's been game. And listen, I don't know what's going to happen in the offseason. Let's just enjoy it. Like, why are we worried about his contract? Enjoy the season. <laughs> Hopefully we enjoy the playoffs and they win a couple rounds and, and go far. Like, it, I find here like that's why we can't have nice things, Connor, because we're always thinking about contracts and well, what's he gonna? Who cares? Just enjoy the present right now. Oh, Hernan, you're right. I, I mean, part of it, hey, we we live in the fishbowl, and uh, you and I are both uh, working for radio stations where we have to talk <laughs> yeah, Oilers nonstop. Yeah. So we seem to find these storylines and like, yeah, things are good now, but. What about next year? What about yeah, exactly. then? Then what do we do? Salary cap. Um, 
I want to ask you about the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, that's the opponent the Oilers will take on Saturday night. Of course, they met on Thursday as well. But when it comes to this team and, and the group that they have up front when it comes to their forwards, I want to ask you this. Say you're going into a series against the Toronto Maple Leafs, a team with depth. Which group of forwards would you rather have, the top-loaded Oilers or the equally balanced strength of the Winnipeg Jets' top group? Oh, man, that's... You know, Winnipeg's top six is so nice. I mean, Kyle Connor, Pierre-Louis Dubois, Nikolai Ellers, Blake Wheeler, Paul Stassi, Mark Scheifele. Like, man, I think I'd put them up against anyone. But when you have Connor McDavid and we are dry title and, and the way they can take over games and, and and win a game by themselves, I think you have to go with the Edmonton Oilers just because of the they have, the, have the best player in the world and a guy that's probably top five right now in Leon Dreisaitl, top two goal scorers. I mean, these guys are just amazing, and they make everyone around them better. Not saying the Winnipeg Jets players don't, but I, I think you have to roll with the two big dogs of the Edmonton Oilers. And then, uh, I, I mean, Winnipeg's close. I mean, I, I think for a lot of people, maybe outside Edmonton, they'll take Winnipeg, but... For me, it's hard not to go with Conor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl against anyone right now. Yeah, and I mean the top end talent there definitely kind of makes me lean that way. The Jets, of course, do have the depth throughout the lineup, and uh, bringing in Pierre Luc Dubois, I think, such a good move for that organization. Oh, yeah. Even though it does cost you Patrick Laine, I think it it was a good move if you were going to lose Laine eventually, anyways. But. Uh, if the Oilers' third line, I mean, if Juju Kara comes back and and he can get back to where he was playing, there's some some help down there throughout the lineup and in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I, I always think the guy like Zach Cassian might not be in your top six. He might be lower down, but he feeds off that emotion. When it gets a little more intense, he's good to go. Maybe there's fans back at that point. Who knows? Maybe the Oilers' forward group kind of rounds out, but uh, I guess we wait and see. On the blue line, Hernan. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on uh, Thursday on the pregame show, Tom Gazzola and myself. When it comes to this upcoming offseason, and I know you just got mad that we're going to talk about it, but do you no, think no, there's... No, 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 no. <laughs> that, that was more for, uh, Connor, that was more for, like, uh, you know, just everyone here in Edmonton. I guess, I mean, we're in the media, so we have to, and, and it's okay, <laughs> but it's like, I saw so many people getting fired up and having debates on Twitter today, and I'm like, guys, like, let's save that for the summer. Like, let's just enjoy it right now. That's my point. I, I'm not mad at you, Connor. I'm not mad at you. Well, I'm, I'm going to take it from one polarizing figure on the blue line to a guy who was very polarizing, kind of dipped for a bit, now still maybe a little polarizing. How about Adam Larson? Would you like to see him back uh, signing a, uh, not going to say a long-term deal, but would you like to see him sign an extension with the Oilers? I mean, if, if he continues to play like he is uh, right now, Connor, I'd, I'd have to say yes. I mean, the funny thing with Adam Larson is his first year here, the Taylor Hall trade and all that, and the Oilers lost that trade. He was fantastic that the year. That's the year the Oilers went to the playoffs, almost made it to the third round of the playoffs. Um, and then after that, he, he fell off. And then you know, we haven't seen that level of play until he turned it around in February of this year. So... It's kind of, I don't know what you're going to get with Adam Larson right now, right? Like, he, he, he was good in 2017. He's been good uh, for, what, 20, 21 games right now? Because the first nine, he was pretty bad. Um, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to cost you a lot. And, and you need guys like Adam Larson, a shutdown guy that's physical and just simple. So, Connor, if, if it's short-term and the money's right, I think it's, um, I think we're good, but... I wouldn't go anything too crazy, like high. Like he, 
he's on four million now. I I don't see him getting a raise, Connor. To be honest with you, um, I think he'd uh, I think he's going to get less money in a shorter term deal. So it, it's it's hard for me to answer that because what's up? What's going to happen with Nuge? What's going to happen with Tyson Berry? I mean, Willie Lagason's emergence is important. Uh, you got Bear still. You want to play Bouchard? Uh, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I mean, I would if, if it's anywhere from two to three million and, and, and maybe a two, three year deal. I think I'd bring him back. So, yes. Connor, I would. It's uh, it's a good debate now that the Oilers have a few more defensive prospects. Of course, Broberg, maybe some Morikov. Who knows? Well, I guess we wait and see what happens. Turnan, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, anytime, my friend. Excellent stuff from Hernan Salas of TSN 1260. Give him a follow on Twitter at Hernan Demand. Bringing the passion. That's why uh, Tom Gazzola affectionately refers to him as Latino Heat on the post-game coverage. Absolutely love getting her and Dallas here on the other Connor podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. But let's wrap things up now with a little bit of the prospect talk. Guy Flaming, someone I've known for a long time. We actually used to work in the booth during Oil Kings games together way back in the day with Corey Graham. I actually filled in a few times with him on the Pipeline show when he was on TSN 1260. Pipeline Show is still around, podcast form, wherever you get your podcast from. You can also give Guy a follow on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. Guy Flaming, how you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well, man. Connor, great to talk to you. It's been a while. Uh, I'm uh, excited for you with the new show, and I'm excited for me to be on it. That's uh, It's great. Good well, to catch up. I mean, I'm glad you could make some time for me. I know you're, you're out in the boonies, and uh, life is busy. It's a hustle-bustle, <laughs> but uh, glad we could get you on here. I wanted to talk to you about some of the Oilers' prospects, of course. Uh, you know, in the past, we've had Ryan Holt from the Bakersfield Condors come on the show, and he talks with the guys there, but... There's so many more, and uh, some guys are doing some really good things. So, uh, Guy, before we get into that, though, when I have somebody on from the Edmonton area, I like to talk to them about their past and how they got into the industry. So how did it all start for you? Uh, I know you were on 1260 for a long time with the Pipeline Show, but how did that get going? Uh, that's a good story, actually, and a bit of a long one. I'll try to condense it for you. Uh, I was covering the Oilers' prospects uh, for a website at the time that was called Hockey's Future, uh, I was the Oiler guy, so I would attend the practices and uh, and uh, pick the brain of the scouting staff. And and at the time, it was Kevin Lowe was the GM and Scott Housen was the assistant GM. Kevin Prendergast was was around then, so I was in contact with them a lot and there's and the scouting staff, uh, just c- trying to get updates on what all the the prospects were doing. It's much easier now than even it was back 15 years ago. Um, because of the way the social media and stuff has, uh, has developed, but it was kind of a challenge to keep track of all the prospects back then. So started doing that. And then uh, people would ask me to come on their show to talk about Euler prospects. And after a while I thought, well, you know what, if, if there is interest in this, well, well, why don't I try to start my own show? So talk to Bryn Griffiths at the station. It was a uh, team 1260 back then. And, and uh, he liked the idea, and but said, well, who's going to host it? And, you know, kind of took me back for a second. And then I realized, well, I really have no radio experience, so it makes sense. Uh, so I made a very short list with one name on it uh, of, uh, of people uh, in media that I knew grew up around the WHL and uh, and would maybe have an interest in doing the show. And thankfully, Dean Millard said yes. And uh, that's how we put the Pipeline show together. So uh, Dino was a TV guy, and... What I'm hearing from this is that you gave him his start in radio. 
<laughs> I guess I did. Yeah, well, we both got our start at the same time. How about that? Uh, basically, I mean, I was doing guest spots on other guys' shows, but had no experience. And meanwhile, obviously, he's, he's got the TV background. But, you know, he, he came to Edmonton from Red Deer. And before that, he was in Regina and he grew up in Brandon. So very WHL uh, center, uh, lots of um, experience covering that league. I think he even billeted players when he was uh, his family uh, back in Brandon. So uh, that was the guy that I knew had a lot of insight and a lot of contacts around the league too. So it was it was definitely a good fit. And he's a great guy. And then from there, I mean, obviously the pipeline show kicked ass. Then you start to do a little bit of color work for the Oil Kings alongside Corey Graham. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to bite my tongue and not get into that about uh, what's going forward with this team, but we'll we'll move on. You've got the pipeline show going on, and we'll we'll, we'll fill in the listeners about where they can get that uh, later on in the show. So let's get right into the Oilers prospects here now, and uh, I think the guy that a lot of people want to know about, Dylan Holloway. Uh, I know on our show, a lot of people ask if he could make that leap to the NHL next year. Would he leave school? Uh, what is your thoughts on him as a player? And uh, I guess, you know, to elaborate on that, do you think he could leave school in the next few years here to try to make that leap to the professional ranks? Uh, I'll start at the end. Yes, I think he can. Yes, I think he will, actually. Uh, and I would be surprised to see him back with Wisconsin next year. This was this was a season that everybody had hoped he would have, maybe even better than people hoped he would have after his freshman year where the numbers weren't that great. Uh, but he was a young player this season, 34 points in 22 games, his points per game uh, at uh, 155, one of the best in all of college hockey. I think he's ready. Uh, physically, there's no question in my mind. He skates well enough. He plays a physical game. So uh, I, I think he's ready. But then there's the question of with uh, the Oilers now, sort of a change in mentality. They they like to slow burn their uh, their prospects. And uh, he, he could because he wasn't drafted out of the Canadian Hockey League. He could sign and play in the American League. So whether he leaves uh, to turn pro knowing that he's going to play in the American League instead of the NHL, that's that's a different question because I, I have talked to players over the years who say, you know, I didn't leave college to go play in the minors. Um, so I'm not sure what Holloway's situation would be with that, but I, I think he could sign. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. And if he does, I don't think he'd have a, a long stay in the American League if that's the plan. And when you, when you look at a guy like Dylan Holloway, obviously he's got the size, he can skate. Do you think, uh, and, and maybe based off other guys that have done this from the past, going from the collegiate level to the NHL ranks, can there be that seamless transition, or from what you've seen, does it take a little while? I, I think it's normal to expect there to be a period of transition, and you got to let a guy get acclimated to the next level, and that's what the American League is for. So if he if he went to the American League and spent – a month or two and then got called up and it was just too good to send back. That's something I could very well see happen. Uh, we've seen that with guys in the past. Tom Gilbert's a good example. Defenseman who came out of college played, I think it was three or four months and, and then was up with the Oilers and hasn't looked back. Now Dylan Holloway was announced as one of the, what, 10 finalists for the Hobie Baker award. What are the odds he picks up the hardware? Uh, I, I, if not for his, uh, it's not his line mate, but his teammate in Cole Caulfield. And he had a great year and uh, put up a ton of goals, scored a lot of goals. And I think that carries a lot of weight uh, with uh, with public opinion. Uh, I expect Caulfield is the guy. Um, and if they weren't on the same team, you, I think you could make an argument. But if he's not the best player on his own team, where does he fit in in a top 10? 
Um, so I, I would think uh, Caulfield is ahead of him. Rigged against the Oilers, as always. Uh, <laughs> that's just the way it works, I think. Uh, we got to talk about uh, his 2019 draft classmate uh, by the Edmonton Oilers, of course, a local product. He used to play with the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Carter Savoy goes to the University of Denver in 24 games played this year, 20 points, 13 goals. Uh, what have you thought about young Carter Savoy? Uh, he had a terrific start to the season. I think uh, the, maybe the bubble burst a little bit and things got a little bit harder when other teams figured, okay, we got to slow this guy down a bit. Uh, but got out of the great, uh, out of the gate, excuse me, at, with a great pace. I think he had eight points in his first five games, something along those lines. Uh, ended up uh, with uh, with twenty points on the season, and thirteen of those were goals. But you know, there were there were nights. I think consistency at that age is not unexpected. That that's going to be a challenge. Uh, but uh, no question that he 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 definitely. Uh, made a name for himself early on in the season, and uh, he's going to be a player to watch. But he's going to need time. I don't think you look at him and say, oh, he could come out next year. I think he's probably a three-year guy and then see where it goes from there. So when guys go from the, you know, the AJHL to the NCAA level, and even a guy like Savoy, you had a, like 100 points in 54 games last year. I mean, yeah. is this was this a little bit of a surprise to you, at least, that he could hit the ground this fast and, you know, I guess even warrant the attention of opposing teams? Like, hey, this is a guy we got to shut down. Well, it was to in in one sense because the knock that I had been told about Savoy uh, from scouts who have seen him uh, last year with the Crusaders was that he wasn't he wasn't always engaged in games. It was almost very easy for him to just pick up uh, points offensively. But it was you know how hard does he back check? How hard does he battle? You know in the neutral zone and things like that. No problem when he's got the puck on his stick or his team is attacking. But what does he do? when uh, his team doesn't have the puck this year, it seemed like that wasn't a problem. And the, and the battle uh, for uh, to, to get the puck back seemed to be there. Uh, and his conditioning, I think uh, was maybe criticized last year uh, and maybe commitment that goes along with that. But I, I didn't hear any of that this season in Denver. Let's uh, talk uh, about a guy who is a prospect with the Oilers still Cooper Marodi tearing it up in the AHL with the Bakersfield Condors. Uh, what do you make of his play? I think it's impressive because last year he didn't have a great season. Remember a couple of years ago after they picked him up from the Flyers, he actually got to play and make an appearance in the NHL. And expectations last year were, at least early on, were that this could be a guy. And then he didn't have a great year. Well, he's off to a fantastic start right now. He's got 21 points, or excuse me, he's got uh, yeah 21 points in 15 games in Bakersfield. He's one of the leading scorers in the entire league. I, I think he puts himself back in onto the radar for Oiler fans, doesn't he? And you start to wonder, okay, well, maybe this guy is somebody that can uh, carve out a career where at least he's uh, a call-up every once in a while. Guy who can fill in. You know, I think foot speed is still an issue, but obviously it's not setting them back at that level. Yeah, and I, I almost wonder if this was a regular season with injuries. I was Kyler Yamamoto not playing on a Thursday night, uh, going down kind of a late scratch with nothing we really knew about going into it, and then we find out he's not going to be playing. You just think if that's a situation pre-COVID, maybe get that call up. Like those things happen all right. the time, and and maybe that's preventing him. But good to see the success that he is having. And uh, you have some news on Thomas Mazzara, who was drafted by the team back in 2019, a sixth-round pick. Yeah, and you know, a, a late-round pick, so it's one of those guys you draft and you kind of cross your fingers and say, all right, let's see what happens. Uh, but they took him out of a prep school, and that year he had he had massive numbers in his draft year and the following season as well. And you're thinking there might be something here. 
Then he he just has a it's a it's a year with COVID where he couldn't come over and play. He was supposed to play for Chicago Steel in the USHL, but couldn't get into the country. Played a little bit in Finland, but only got into three games. Still had three points in those three games. Uh, playing junior in uh, Finland. And then he had a, a bit of a groin injury. Um, I saw that Chicago had traded his rights to the Des Moines Buccaneers in the USHL. And I contacted the team. They said, he's about to come over. It looks like he's going to start playing. So I wanted to pick his brain. I had him on the show and he'd been in uh, Des Moines for a couple of weeks. And then he started uh, the, the groin injury wasn't going away. So they gave it another look and, Looked like he's he's got a sports hernia, so uh, he's out for the rest of the season. He uh, was telling me on the show that it was just it was something that went undetected earlier in the year, but you get to the states and uh, maybe a little thorough physical exam, and uh, they picked it up there. So really unfortunate for him, but he's going to a good program next year at Providence College, uh, where some other uh, former uh, Oilers, Colin, Colin uh, McDonald, uh, played there uh, back in the day, um, and that's that's a program. Nate Layman's the head coach there. He's going to a good school. He's going to play a big role. So uh, Thomas Missouri, I think, is still one for Oiler fans. Maybe to put on the uh, the back burner and and uh, put it in uh, up on a shelf in their brain. Good keep little his, keep his name in there. Oh, I, I'm I'm definitely going to. I'm going to write it down here and just follow him along the way. Guy Flamey, the host of the Pipeline Show, joining us here on the Other Connor Podcast. And uh, Guy, I want to go back a few years. Uh, you, Dean, myself, for a few. I guess a couple drafts. We hosted the the draft show on TSN 1260. And one guy, it's a moment I'll never forget because, you know, and it works out well because the Oilers are playing the Jets and, you know, (laughs) those guys both playing up against each other now. But Yessi Pugliarvi, the fourth overall pick in 2016, we were all taken quite back by that. And the guy who was taken one pick ahead of him, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I'll never forget Dean just screaming that out as soon as the selection yeah. came in. We were all uh, pretty surprised by that one. But when you look at what Yessi Pugliarvi's become as of late, kind of the second trip across the pond back in his second stint with the Oilers, is this more the guy you thought you'd see, or do you think there's more room for him to grow? I'm sure he can still get better. He's still a young player. Um, but I think a little adversity is it's interesting what it can do for a player because – you know, maybe there was the expectation from himself, obviously from the agent, it looked like, or by the sounds of it, that they thought, you know, the the door would be wide open for him and, you know, give him the time, but you got to earn it. And it didn't work out for the first uh, uh, trip here to Edmonton. He goes back home, has a terrific season last year, and maybe comes back with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more maturity. He's working on his English, uh, still a work in progress, but you know, I, I think that goes a long way when you can start to converse with some of your teammates. You're not such an, an individual, not a stranger in a strange land. Um, I, I, I just think it's a it's a positive story for him. He's got to be feeling good about, you know, this this second uh, stint here with the Oilers. Yeah, I, I think there's still lots of room for improvement. A guy who was drafted in that draft class, Tyler Benson. I know you got to see him quite a bit with the Vancouver Giants. Uh, Maybe maybe a little bit slower than people would have liked to see. I know some people thought he might make the jump this year, but in his case, I mean, no real to no no reason to really get concerned, correct? No, he's still young as well. Uh, you'd, you'd like to see him pushing at least to to get that opportunity. I, I don't know how it all plays out this year with the whole taxi squad thing, and uh, it's just such a a messed up season. Uh, hopefully, knock on wood, we get back to normal next year and everything kind of reshuffles itself and we get a better sense of where exactly guys line up in all the organizations. I I still think Tyler Benson's a talented player. 
Uh, he's, I think he's a smart player and, uh, that's half the battle. And he's got the skills to play. I think uh, the knock on him has always been foot speed, but, um, you know, he's, he's also productive this year in the American League, more than a point per game guy. So he's getting some chemistry with some of the Oilers, uh, other prospects down there. Yeah. I think it's far too early to panic yet. Yeah, Ryan Holt was on with me last week, and he just raves about the guys. So I think Edmonton, you know, be patient with Ken Holland. There's certainly a, uh increased amount of patience when it comes to prospects. So for Tyler Benson, I think things are going to be all right. Uh, Gee, if people want to get in and uh, tune into the Pipeline Show, where can they do so? Oh, the website is thepipelineshow.com, but uh, anywhere you get your your podcast from, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or uh, Podbean or wherever you get them from, uh, just search up the Pipeline Show, and it'll be there. Podbean. Yeah. That's you don't thing? know the Podbean? <laughs> I'm really new I, to this. I, I just got mine put on Stitcher, which I don't really know what yeah. that is, but I put the links out anyways. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the Podbean is for Android users. Oh, okay. Well, I, I mean, I really got to start to expand my base, so maybe I'll have to look at that one. And I, I just, I don't know, Geesh, I bring it up, your punt in high school. Oh, hey, I'll talk about that. I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of like legacy. Whenever you're on a, a hit, someone has to bring up the, how long, 60-yard punt? 72, man, <laughs> 72 yards. I had wind behind me, but I got all of it. And high school football in in Cold Lake back in the late 80s, uh, not exactly a high caliber uh, football being played. So, you know, line up for a punt and the guy is maybe – 30 yards down the field, 35 yards down the field, waiting to catch it. Well, I put it over his head, and then it went end <laughs> over end, bouncing down the field. Uh, and I had a little bit of wind behind me, but I'm, I'm going to take it. 72-yard punt. You saw him there. lined up 30 yards deep, and you thought, you idiot. This is going way over your head. I, I just – I happened to get under one. Like, I <laughs> really connected. It was – it was, uh, you know, if I wrote a book of my life, there'd be one <laughs> dedicated to this fish that I caught when I was 12 years old, and there'd be another one that would just, the title of this, the chapter would just be The Punt. <laughs> it was breezy that day. Every time you're on with Gregor, he always, like, leads up by saying, a man who once punted a ball yeah, 72 yeah. yards. So I, I had to bring it up for anyone who hasn't heard the story. When the book comes out, there will be a chapter. And uh, you if you need, like, a foreword or anything, I... <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. I got away with words. Gee, uh, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. We'll have to get you on again down the road when we get closer to the draft. Anytime, Connor. Great to catch up. Excellent stuff from Gee Flaming, the host of the Pipeline Show. You can get that wherever you get your podcast from. You can also give Gee a follow on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. And that is going to wrap it up for another edition of the other Connor podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. A big thank you to everyone who tuned in today. The Edmonton Oilers, of course, back in action on Saturday night, taking on the Winnipeg Jets. We assume Mike Smith and Connor Hellebuck will get the starts, but don't expect the style of play to change too much. I'm sure the Oilers see the keys to victories. They're going to want to keep doing it. That Winnipeg Jets forward group is deep, and you got to find a way to keep them off the board. On the next edition of the Other Connor Podcast, which will drop Tuesday morning, we will recap Monday night's game against the Montreal Canadiens. We should also have Eric Griba joining me on the podcast. He, of course, played for the Edmonton Oilers for a couple of years. Now out of the game, we'll see what he's up to, and uh, we'll look ahead to the rest of the Eastern Conference road trip. One more big thank you to everyone who hopped on the podcast here tonight. Jason Strudwick of the Jason Greger Show, TSN 1260's Hernan Salas, and of course, Guy Flaming, the host of the Pipeline Show. And make sure you download the DraftKings app. Get in on the madness 
this week. Download DraftKings right now. Use promo code THPN. Sign up and you'll be able to enter the free $1 million survivor pool. That's code THPN when you sign up with DraftKings today. My name's Connor Halley. I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks again for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.